This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly. It's Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, and this show is on the air per usual, despite the absence of... The legend, Fred Greetham. Fred is hanging out with his grandkids, which he decided would be a Wednesday evening better spent than uh, hanging out here with me. Imagine that. I can't imagine that. But fortunately, uh, a couple of uh, my pals from the OBR uh, have uh, fallen for my sales pitch that this would be the greatest experience of their lives if they would join me for OBR Weekly. So, uh First, welcome uh, Brad Ward. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing excellent. Uh, big shoes to fill. That's a legend here. Uh, yeah, but we'll, do, we'll, we'll do our best. It, it, it cannot be done. It cannot be done, but uh, I know you'll give it your best effort. And, of course, Mr. Pete Smith. How you doing, Pete? I'm good. Promises were made. Promises <laughs> were made. <laughs> Thank you both for uh, hanging out with us here. Uh, uh, hanging out, uh, hanging out with us here tonight. Uh, as you guys probably know, this show works a little bit differently than the other shows. Uh, we are very dependent on the comments and questions from our audience, um, primarily because I'm pretty lazy when it comes to pre-show prep, but uh, also because we want to hear what's on your mind out there in uh, YouTube land and Twitch land and for tonight, uh, Twitter land. Um, and uh, we definitely want to hear what your questions are about the Browns, your comments about the Browns, and we will go based on those. Uh, but as always, I brought along a couple of questions straight from the OBR uh, Newswire uh, this week. Uh, so I've gone and uh, gone over my own uh, morning work in the Newswire and pulled a couple of topics from those that uh, I'm going to discuss with the guys here, uh, if that is uh, okay with all of you. But uh, let's uh, let's certainly hear your comments and questions, and I will mark them in the chat, and we will drive through them as best we can with the legend missing tonight. Um, as always, if you're on YouTube, please slam that like button so that we can fool the Google algorithm into thinking that this is a popular show and pitching it to other Browns fans who might be out there. Uh, we've already got uh, over 8,300 subscribers to this channel. Uh, we've got subscribers to our Twitch channel as well. I think all told over 10,000 Browns fans subscribe to the various streams that the OBR puts out there. That's not enough, we need more. Uh, so if you're not a subscriber, please hit that subscribe button uh, and be rewarded with free Browns talk throughout the year, every single week. Uh, and if you're on Twitch, Feel free, of course, to follow and subscribe. We love all of you guys for hanging out with us during the doldrums of February. So let's get right to it. Uh, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's get right to it. Uh, the combine hype is starting. Um, 
starting to see some articles appear in the local press. The combine itself kicks off late next week. We're sending a couple of guys uh, out there to the combine to uh, fill the internet pipes with as many videos and interviews as they can get uh, while, uh, while they're there. Um, of course, you know, the articles are mostly focusing on round two. You know, that's the, that's the, the closest we get to a glamour pick. Um, uh, let's start with you, Brad. Who are some names that you're going to be very interested in hearing about uh, from the Combine? You know, maybe one in particular that you want to see perform and uh, uh, are very interested in, in seeing the numbers about. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, naturally drawn to the receiver position here, uh, you know, and uh, the edge position. So um, a couple guys that I would like to see how they test at least 40 time. Um, you know, I there's been a lot of connection with like Roman Wilson. I've seen him mock to the Browns a lot, who I find very interesting, right, as a physical wide receiver from Michigan. Um, dependable guy. How he tests speed-wise. Uh, some other names that are interesting. I don't know if they'll fall far enough to get to 54, but like Javon Baker, a guy that started at Alabama and then not, and he ended up at UCF, very productive. Uh, I'm intrigued by him. Um, and I would say the one other wide receiver that I would watch to see how he tests is uh, Devontae Walker. Um, he was at the Senior Bowl. I don't know what you think of him, Pete. I'd be interested to hear that. But uh, he intrigues me, size and speed combination, potentially. So how he tests in the 40 will be interesting. Uh, not a good week for him at the Senior Bowl, but he is really? very talented. Um, yeah. And, and, and fills that void as sort of a, a pure deep threat, has a skill set that, that succeeded in that, obviously made a lot of waves at Kent State. Um, and, and the game that got him on the map was against Georgia uh, when they when they played uh, Kent State. So he's intriguing. Uh, he needs to he needs to perform well. Um, so for me, in general, I would just say offensive line because every other position that we look at, or at least I look at or how I look at them, I can see production. I can see what they've done to this point in the process. Um, I don't you know, maybe somebody counts up pancake blocks, you know, like Orlando Pace back in the day. But for the most part, other than what you watch, you don't have a lot to go on. So this is the this is important for the linemen to get real data. You know, athletic data is certainly valuable from that, even just height and weight and all that stuff. But if you want a specific guy, um, tight end Jatavian Sanders from Texas um, is intriguing to me. I don't know if you know, with Ken Dorsey, I, I don't know if this is a thing, but the Bills did take Dalton Kincaid there as a first-round pick. And, I, you know, you look around the league, you, you certainly love what David Njoku brings you. And if Jatavian Sanders is a guy who had a ton of productions at Texas, he's only 21, not unlike uh, Njoku, who was 20 coming out. Um, and you look at teams like the Baltimore Ravens, who have – Obviously, he missed a lot of the year with injury, but Mark Andrews and then a guy like Isaiah Likely and all the things you can do with those type of players. So I'm curious to see if he tests and how he tests and those type of things because, um, you know, I don't think tight end is necessarily a need. 
but it's one of those very tantalizing desserts that you want before the main course um, that, that could be a really fun prospect. And just the way the draft falls, you know, that may be a player where they're like, he's just too good for, for what we want to do. He can add so many things that he becomes a really interesting prospect. Well, before we go on, Pete, uh, we have an important question in the uh, chat room that uh, we got to get addressed right away, and that is from Fumble13 uh, about the uh, sweatshirt you're currently wearing. Uh, this is the old quarter zip. Quarter zip. So there you go, Fumble. The uh, Your question has been answered. As promised, the show very responsive to on-topic questions uh, that we get from the chat room. We will continue <laughs> in that vein. Uh, one of the, the positions that neither of you guys mentioned is defensive tackle. And I'm seeing, in, like in Chris Easterling's article that I linked in the Newswire this morning, he had two defensive tackles in there, one of whom, Michael Hall, got my attention because, of course, I'm an Ohio State honk, right? You know, and as a result, I'm going to pitch Michael Hall because I watched him play a lot. But uh, Not as much as me. To, <laughs> let's, let's go to you first, Pete. Uh, do you see that as a need, or do you do you do you think that we ought to, uh, you know, it, it, for a second round pick, or do you think we need to give Ika some more time, or would you pull the trigger on a player like that there? Well, full disclosure, uh, I coached him in high school, so I I'm very familiar <laughs> with Mike. I've watched him play for now six years between uh, three years with at Streetsboro High School and then three years at Ohio State. Um, certainly. If you're looking at Mike for uh, the Browns, you immediately go, he is a lot like what Maurice Terse does. And clearly, Jim Schwartz likes what that can offer you. And obviously, with Mike, who is, you know, almost 21, he won't be 21 until June. Um, that is part of the that, – that certainly fits the Browns. Um, he's light in the pants. I mean, that's going to be a thing that, that holds him back. He only weighs at 280. Uh, he told me at the Senior Bowl that he's hoping to tip the scales at 285 at the Combine, so that would help a little. But you're wondering if, from his standpoint, with guys like Kalijah Kansi, who came out last year with Aaron Donald, they're not as big if, if teams are going to sort of overlook that and sort of look at the fact that he is a very, very impactful pass rusher. Uh, tremendous, you know, if you go by PFF stats, tremendous win rate, all those things. Uh, you know, if you're just looking at it from the Brown standpoint, long arms, they're big on that. Um, and, and, you know, here's the thing I would, I would do if, if, if the Browns or if I'm any team that picked Mike, I would play him at defensive tackle. I would put him at fullback in a heartbeat. And, and we really? did. Um, this is why I know, but hit what if you're a team like the Browns and you use Nick Harris as a fullback. Mike's first step is uncanny. It, like he can get off the ball so quick I'd give it to him. I'd hand him the ball and let him run because he's just that fast at 280 pounds. Mm. Um, so that's certainly another aspect of that that could be intriguing for a team like the Browns who says, we're going to do this thing. And obviously it's not certainly not unprecedented. Pat Ricard with the Ravens is somebody who's done this, but certainly that's something with Mike. But for a guy like Jim Schwartz, if you are saying, I want guys, I, I'm not worried about necessarily he's got to play a certain gap or he's got to do this, that, and the other thing. And you're just saying, go get the ball. That is what Mike is Mike is built for. That is who he is. That is what he does. So if you like all those things, he could be a terrific player. He's got questions to answer. Uh, wait, um, you know, 
injuries probably are, you know, some people have questions about injuries at Ohio State. But, you know, just from my standpoint, I would tell you, look at Notre Dame last year, one of the best offensive lines in the country, and he beat the crap out of them. I thought he was very good against Michigan this year. And then you watch it, the senior bully dominated. Something about the gold helmet. He saw Sam Hartman and just couldn't be stopped. Threw poor Michigan guard right out of the way and put pressure on him. So uh, he's a fascinating player in terms of where the NFL is going. Right. And I, from an attitude and approach perspective, watching him at Ohio State, it seems like he would fit in very well in the Jim Schwartz defense, you know, that uh, that uh, his approach to the game would, would work with Jim Schwartz. Am I accurate on that? Yeah. Uh, as, I, as I said, for Jim Schwartz, who says, you know, he famously told, uh, famously told Siaki Ika, we want you to get up the field. That is what Mike is. He is quick as a cat off the ball. His explosion is 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 tremendous, uh, and he can he can get strength quickly, uh, get gain momentum quickly that allows him to use utilize more power than I think most people think he has. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, Jim Schwartz's pitch is, I'm going to let you go make plays. That's all Mike's ever been. That's all he, I mean, that's who he is. It's certainly, that's mm-hmm. not to suggest that he won't do what he's asked to do. It's just, if you're, if you're just looking at it from a skill st- standpoint, what he does uh, best, Jim Schwartz is a dream for somebody like him. Right. I would, I, I, I just would think so. Fumble 13, as, as long as I'm talking to his high school coach, I'll follow up with this question here. Said, ask if you could use him like Bud Carson used Michael Dean. Uh, Michael Dean Perry, which is uh, going back a little ways. Uh... Here's the thing. Like, obviously, Michael Dean Perry was phenomenal. Uh, obviously played more college football and everything else. But the other thing is Michael Dean Perry's 280 is a little different than Mike's 280, just in terms of the era. Uh, you know, at the time uh, when, when Michael Dean Perry was in the 280s, his brother – tipped the scales at 300 and was called the refrigerator. At this point, he's barely, you know, he, he's barely a cabinet uh, compared to most guys in the NFL. I mean, look at Dewan Jones, who's 374 pounds. The, the idea that the fridge was barely 300 pounds was this enormous, uncanny player. It's just a different deal. But in, just in terms of stylistically, yeah, I mean, that's that's the type of player he's going to try to offer you is, is get up, get up field, go make plays. Yeah, Absolutely. Good insight. Thank you very much. Uh, Brad, I want to go to you on this next uh, topic. Um, and it uh, has to do with something I linked in the Newswire this morning, an, an opinion column from uh, Jim Donovan, uh, who is one of the guys here locally that I tend to listen to when he takes a stand on what he thinks the team should do. Uh, and he opined today that the Browns absolutely need a veteran quarterback back up to Deshaun Watson this season. Not a new line of analysis, but it was interesting for me to see Donovan go out and essentially say that. I wouldn't say that he was throwing DTR under the bus or anything like that, but essentially was saying, look, he can't go into the season like he went into last season. Something Fred Greetham has echoed a lot on this on this show. Um, so I'd ask you to start, Brad. First of all, do you agree with, with Donovan? that you don't want to go into the season with DTR as a backup? And secondly, do you have a preferred candidate that you think would be available to uh, operate as a backup quarterback? Yeah, so I 100% agree. Uh, I think that you have to approach uh, 
I mean, Deshaun Watson's injury history this year and, uh, you know, what we saw from this team with a backup alone shows you that I think you have to have someone at the ready, right? That can sustain, even if it's three, four games to keep them afloat or whatever it may be, uh, you have to have a veteran, I think, um, and then, you know, let DTR develop a little bit more. Even though I did see some things that I liked from him, I just think that they're in this window now where you can't afford to gamble on whether he's ready or not. So there's a number of names out there. Um, you know, the names that the, – the question becomes – the interesting thing here is becomes, you know, what they do with the offense, right? Because – uh, as this offense changes, what you want in a quarterback may change as well uh, in a backup quarterback, right? So, um, obviously, the names that jump off the page right away are guys like Jacoby Brissett uh, that's been here, um, and even, uh, you know, um, other guys like, uh, for, for example, uh, I was going to say, you know, of course, they're going to try to bring back Flacco. I, I think I don't think that's really fair to Deshaun necessarily. Um, it's kind of a recipe potentially for disaster, but we'll see what happens there. But, you know, you kind of are forced to look at guys like, even though I don't want to look there as much at guys like maybe Marcus Mariota or something like that, that may give you... Uh, a little bit more of an athletic guy. Uh, I think, you know, Mike White is a cut candidate, uh, potentially, um, in Miami. So these are guys that are of interest to me. I'm not real high on bringing Mitch Trubisky home, which I've heard a lot of that talk. I'm cool on that. Uh, so, but, you know, I what I know about this front office, they love their guys. And they love bringing back their guys, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, Barry just brings back the same guys <laughs> over and over and over. So would I be totally shocked to see like Josh Dobbs end up back here? Uh, no, I wouldn't. He makes a lot of sense still. Right. Same question to you, Pete. Uh, price is an issue. They don't have an unlimited budget. So, you know, Jacoby Brissett would be great, but – you know, where does the rubber meet the road on that? They're not going to pay him the yeah. $8 million that Washington gave him. You know, if it's closer to four, maybe, they, maybe they're maybe they willing to do that. I don't, I don't, I, if I'm the Patriots, I would try to sign Joe, uh, I would try to sign Joe Flacco because it's a, it's a dumpster fire quarterback there. And all these people are talking about how great Alex Van Pelt was for him. So I would, I would try to do that. I, I fully expect, I'll be surprised if it's not Josh Dobbs. After all, for about 20 minutes, he was the greatest backup quarterback in the NFL. How could you not? So that's certainly an advantage. But look, uh, look, even before they trade, they like Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is good for the quarterback room. Josh Dobbs is extremely helpful in terms of just being a guy who's willing to help a guy like DTR. I really like DTR. Uh, but um, Josh Dobbs' is, is price is going to be friendly. Hell, they, they may get an opportunity to trade him again if, if teams get desperate. Um, but – Andrew Barry said as much in the press conference. They plan on carrying three quarterbacks. So this is not like, oh, wow, this is out of left field. They, they've said straight up they're going to carry three quarterbacks. I expect one of those is going to be a, a veteran like 
Josh Dobbs, uh, unless, you know, somebody falls to them in the draft, they absolutely love. But in terms of fitting the offense that they're going to run, you know, having three guys who can essentially do some of the th same things that they don't have to sort of change over the offense partway through the season. I think Dobbs makes a lot of sense. Maybe there's another option out there, but like there was never a situation where they were saying, we don't like Josh Dobbs. It's people called and said, we'll give you draft picks for him. And it was mm -hmm. great. It's, and it would be the greatest coup ever. Andrew Barry should get an extension purely off trading Josh Dobbs for a fifth round pick. Uh, <laughs> And then signing him back for for nothing. It, it, how could how could he be, any GM be better than that? Executive of the year. <laughs> exactly. It would be uh, it would be quite the coup. All right. What we're going to do now is we're going to talk just briefly about our show sponsor, Core Home Fitness. Uh, great group of people who have stepped up to sponsor uh, OBR Weekly, as well as our weekend shows and our special shows like upcoming shows around free agency that we'll be doing uh, next month. Uh, uh, I have uh, received some of their equipment. It is pretty amazing. Uh, they are uh, a great group of people that put together the best adjustable dumbbells that you are going to find if you want to get yourself back in shape. Uh, they are top rated by the New York Times and Men's Health. They're also rated a Best Buy by Consumers Reports. Uh, they have fantastic customer service. Uh, they have hassle-free returns, fast shipping, uh, U.S.-based support team, you name it. These guys know what they are doing. So if you have ambitions of getting yourself in shape this year, like I do, even a schlub like me has ambitions of getting himself back in shape at some point, uh, corehomefitness.com is the place to go. Inspirational videos, you name it. Uh, they've got it all there. So please check out our sponsor, Core Home Fitness. And thank you very much for stepping up to sponsor the program. All right. Uh, a question from uh, Twitter, where we are going out tonight, or x.com. Uh, and uh, I'm going to get to them uh, right now. And this comes from Stephen Kramer. And he asks you guys, uh, who would be your realistic dream draft pick in the second round? So uh, let's, uh, you know. Let's not assume someone's going to fall out of the first if he's ranked in the first. But realistically, who would you really like to see in that second round? We'll start with you, Brad. Um, I'm not so I don't really know how it's going to develop yet. But I would say this: I think that I'm not going to give you an exact name, but I'll give you this: uh, the Browns at some point need to address edge in a way that they aren't playing musical chairs opposite Miles Garrett every offseason, right? So, or trying to fill that position every year with a free agent or a stopgap or whatever. So ideally, someone falls to them. And, and, and now Alex Wright has come along. And, and, you know, people are mentioning Trice in the chat. And sure, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but like you... If that's the guy, that's fine. But I think that if you can find an answer that you can line up next to him as a a starter for the next four years, that would be a that would be just absolutely huge. Just not have to worry about every offseason trying to find the guy opposite Miles. Fair enough, Pete. So I, I don't have an answer to the exact dream draft pick in the second round, in no small part because I fully expect the Browns to trade down from it, but. 
the guy I have my eye on that I want for on this football team, wherever I can get him, is Audric Estime from Notre Dame, the running back. Um, look, I, I have an article that's going to address this uh, either tomorrow or the next day. I My dream for this draft is to get either him or Braylon Allen, the running back from Wisconsin, who's 6'2", 245 listed. We'll see what he measures in next week. Um, or Estime, 5'11", 227 listed. They, you know, Estime, like, in terms of comps I've heard for him, it's Jamal Lewis. And the way the NFL has sort of trended away from taking those type of backs early, to me, is the dream. Because, and I, and along with that, getting developmental offensive linemen that can, you know, get off the ball and run block. And that's largely due to the fact that um, I would like to see the Browns employ a power running game utilizing the RPO stuff that they want to incorporate with this new coaching staff. The Browns were able to get to the playoffs going with 11 wins with barely any running game. Um, And what I think would add to this team and having watched the playoffs where I saw the four, the final four teams, the Detroit Lions, San Francisco 49ers, Baltimore Ravens, and uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Patrick Mahomes is sensational. Lamar Jackson is a tremendous quarterback. Jared Goff is is Jared Goff, and and Barack Purdy's a pretty good quarterback. But they all dominated the line of scrimmage, and they all ran the ball really well. Like the Chiefs do not win that Super Bowl without Isaiah Pacheco. I would like to see the you know Nick Chubb. If I'm if I'm trying to be realistic, at the earliest, I think the second half of the season is the only way to go, and I'd probably hold him out later just because I I don't want to get seventy five percent of Nick Chubb back. I want to get as close to one hundred percent, even if that's Hopefully the Browns are in contention at this point. He comes in at week 15, he gets a couple games and just goes into the postseason where he could potentially be a weapon. But I can't wait for that to run the ball better. I can't just go with Jerome Ford. And we have to sort of look at this, and the Browns have to be realistic about life after Nick Chubb. So it's a good opportunity to take a running back that can carry the load. Estime, if you've watched him at Notre Dame, or you watched him play Ohio State, every team that played against him did not want to tackle him. He is just a load. He's just muscled up. Uh, he, In fact, if you watch him, there's a lot of things that remind me of Nick Chubb. He never takes anybody's best shot. He's always very quick with his feet. He's able to sort of avoid big hits, but he's just so powerful. He averaged over four yards per carry after contact this past year. Um, Notre Dame certainly has a strong offensive line, but just the way he runs – North-South, no-nonsense, it's just powerhouse. And I think, you know, just thinking back to that 2007 team when the Browns had Jamal Lewis and he ran for 1,300 yards, it, it, that and the offensive line that they had, Joe Thomas's rookie year, they still had Steinbach and, and, and Ryan Tucker and all those guys. That is what enabled Derek Anderson to be a complete, you know, he was, he was a, he was never that good, but he was a mirage that year. He threw for, you know, practically 3,800 yards and 29 touchdowns, but Jamal Lewis running for 4.4 yards per carry and just brutalizing people was the main reason for that. And then the next year, you know, he, he turned, I think 30, uh, 29 or 30. And then all of a sudden he's averaging 3.6 yards per carry. And suddenly Derek Anderson isn't very good anymore. I, right. I look at it as the inverse where now you have a quarterback in Deshaun Watson, you really like him and now give him this weapon. That's going to, do hopefully what it did for the Chiefs, the Ravens, all those teams where you have this dominating 
run run offense that goes along with Watson and what we hope is still a very good defense. I think that, you know, is is their path forward to get back to contention very quickly. I would say uh, real quick, Barry, because I didn't give a name. If they did, so I, I want them to pay attention to wide receiver as well. Obviously here, I think that's an, a need at some point. But if they would move up, a couple of guys that that you know maybe that they fall because they're not as fast and they're bigger. But Ad Mitchell and uh, uh, Thomas from LSU, both six four guys, big bodies that I would love to bring in that could be physical. Now that might be a pipe dream in the second round uh, for both those guys, but it probably depends on how they test in the forty. Yeah, well, the guys I've seen mentioned are mostly slot receivers like Malachi Corley, right? And it seemed to me like, uh, well, let's get to this other question, which, uh, um, which I, I think deals with, with where I was going with this, which is that the Browns need a deep threat. Uh, and Jack McCurry asked, just had Jack, Jack Duffin on my podcast, and he said he thinks the Browns prioritize wide receiver in free agency. Which position do you guys think they prioritize? And I think, you know, from my perspective, if the Browns go after a wide receiver in free agency, it's going to cost them a ton of money, but they've got to get somebody who's dangerous and deep, you know, uh, and, and maybe be able to play Elijah uh, at the slot a little bit more. But uh, that's just my take, and we know how much I know. So let's start with you, Brad. Uh, what position do you think they prioritize in free agency? Well, I think that's one of them. The question is, you know, you know, me and Pete have kind of talked about this. I think that they'll probably explore the trade market first as far as wide receiver goes. Uh, that makes the most sense. You know, some guys are going to rattle loose here, right? When things get to negotiations, get down to brass tacks, some guys are going to become expendable. And, and that's where Barry kind of jumps in, as we've seen in the past couple of years, takes advantage of, of situations. So I think the trade market is a good place to look for wide receiver uh, I would I, I would think that in in free agency, it feels like they alternate years, offense, defense, offense. So it feels like an offense year, um, although they do need to address the def interior defensive line, and they may do that with bringing back some veterans there. But um, as far as a speed guy goes, that could be an option in the draft. I would just wait until, I guess, if I was going to use, uh, you know, make that an option – like, you know, a, a guy that can stretch the field, I'd probably do it in, like, the middle rounds of the draft, the third or fourth round of the draft. It's another deep wide receiver class, so I think you can find more speed options, you know, in round three or four uh, that can stretch the field. Um, but you don't want to run into, you know, another Schwartz issue or things like that, right? So, I mean, we've experienced, uh, you know, the experiment uh, failed this year with um, – what's his name uh and uh their speed guy and then you know schwartz failed so they've tried it through the draft they tried it through free agency uh i think you just need to keep trying because uh one of these times you're going to hit somebody that can that can stretch the field or just somebody that you can put on the field that makes you cover you differently they only have to hit once or twice a game right or once or twice a you know every couple games to keep teams honest so um if they did go high in the draft, Xavier Worthy is a really fast guy, right? Uh, mm -hmm. That I think would be a fun grab there if you want to go second round. Uh, so he can fly. 
I worry about his, once again, though, his frame, though, right? Uh, you know, getting downfield. He's very, very slight, like 160, I think. So those Lake Erie, Erie, those Lake Erie winds may take him straight off the field. <laughs> he may that blow him right for off. Him, for him, his weight is going to be a big deal. Yes. At the combine. Yes. I think he was playing at like 170, 175. Yeah. And, you know, just looking at what the Browns have done. I mean, what people forget about Anthony Schwartz, he was big for what he was. He was 6'1", like 180-some pounds. That's a big receiver at that size. And the Browns have liked big receivers. They like guys who are like 200 pounds, who are like 6'2", in that range. Um, ultimately, I, I think in terms of what the Browns' priority is, outside of hopefully keeping their own guys, it would be really nice to keep Zedaria Smith. It would be really nice to keep Shelby Harris. Uh, I, I look at this draft, and I – Look at not everybody manages their money as well as Barry, either Barry, Barry McBride or Andrew Barry. And there are a lot of teams who are in bad cap situations right now and need to get out of them. And this draft is not just in terms of overall numbers. I mean, the entire draft class is shallower than it has been in, in some years because of COVID, because of the transfer portal, because of the presence of NIL. So you're the Browns. You're sitting there with a bunch of late round picks. It very tempting to say, Hey, here's a fifth round pick like they've done the past two years and bring in a veteran. And there are teams out there. I look at a team like the chargers who are in a financial mess right now. I, all these people are telling me how Jim Harbaugh is going to win the Super Bowl next year. They've got a lot of things to clean up and there may be receivers to shake loose there. Potentially a Mike Williams, maybe a Keenan Allen ends up getting shipped out of town. But I think there's going to be another opportunity because of what the Browns are able to do with using their cap as a weapon, you, having an owner who's willing to spend as much as he does, that they're able to continue to create this cap space that allows them to work where somebody's going to be sitting there. And Dean, Dean Spanos is a tenant in somebody else's building. He ain't that guy. He's not paying all that money. There are teams like this who are going to have to be who are basically going to pull out, you know, pull out their pockets with nothing in it and go, we have to get rid of guys to do that. Mm -hmm. Andrew Barry's going to be like, here's a crappy draft pick. I'll take, I'll take my proven commodity. There's going to be guys like that. I, I, I have the same concerns you do Barry that if they want to get into the, you know, trying to win a bidding war, they're not going to, they just can't like Marquise Brown, I think makes a lot of sense in some respects. I, in some ways, I think he's a little bit, like what they already have. Um, but if he's suddenly getting $20 million a year or, you know, they're not going to do that. So who's the cost efficient guy that's going to make everybody happy. I don't think that guy exists. So I think the trade market is where the Browns could make that big splash and everybody gets a player they really like. Obviously all eyes are on Brandon Ayuk and with the 49ers. I'd love it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to argue if they could figure it out. Um, get Mike Tannenbaum out there to pitch some crappy trade. The 49ers have to take, uh, I'm all for it, but there are there there whether it's wide receiver or another veteran defensive end, whatever. There's going to be these opportunities for the Browns to continue doing this. The Browns he likes to do like what the Philadelphia Eagles have done. Howie Roseman is a guy he looks up to. That's what they've done year in and year out. I think the Browns are going to continue to be able to do that. I think there are going to be opportunities where that becomes their way of getting wide receiver. That's also why I think Andrew Barry is saying it's not a need. I think for him, he looks as an opportunity because if, if for whatever right. reason that doesn't materialize, he doesn't want to come back and go, well, we needed a wide receiver. Now we have to get one of the, I, I don't think he wants to operate like that. Right. Right. Well, let's uh, change the topic a little bit here to uh, one of the themes that has emerged around the web over the last couple of days. 
have been uh, deranged accountants around the uh, the internet who want to cut Nick Chubb all of a sudden. You know, it's it's time for people in uh, national offices to write their 32 surprise cuts around the league article. And they've seen that Nick Chubb has a contract with a guaranteed 12 million next year. They know he's hurt. And they say, oh, well, there's your surprise cut. The Browns are going to going to cut Nick Chubb. I don't think uh, that any of us think that Nick Chubb is going to straight up get cut, uh, that this team is going to do anything other than some sort of fair negotiation with Chubb. But uh, just in case, uh, we have a question from RX Dog uh, asking, how many minutes do you think for it would take for rights to break out in Greater Cleveland if Nick Chubb were to be released? I would give it, it takes a little while to organize a riot. You know, you don't just spontaneously riot. You have to grab a pitchfork. You have to light a torch. So yeah, half an hour probably or anything like that. But let's start with you, Brad. Tell me it ain't so. Tell me Nick Chubb isn't getting cut. No, I, 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 you know, I think Barry was genuine when he said nobody wants to see his last carry be that, that carry in Pittsburgh in his press conference in January. Uh, I think that they will negotiate in good faith with him, and I think Nick will will do the same. Uh, I expect him to be in a Browns uniform at some point this season. Listen, the the what what the quote they're using in all of these articles, Barry, to your point that got aggregated about you know some of the headlines are ridiculous. Like uh, you know, I'm not gonna call anybody out, but like. Browns get bad news about Nick Chubb. What? There's no news. What do you? What do you talk? I mean, what? So, but they took Dan Graziano's quote where he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, where he calls him an extension candidate and a cut candidate in the same sentence, and they're using that quote as the uh, as the quote to put in all the articles that call him a cut candidate. It's absurd. It's silly season, uh, kind of, uh, for the NFL here as we prepare, you know, before the combine. And, uh, no, I do believe that uh, Barry meant what he said when he uh, uh, intends to keep him in, in the orange and brown and uh, that nobody wants to see that be his last snap. And, and yeah, there's there's just no, you know— to I don't want to steal Pete's point, but you know he said last night. You, you know, there's just nobody else on the roster that that looks like a cut candidate. So he's the natural default for all these articles. Any further comment on that, Pete? Yeah, here's the list of teams that will pay Nick Chubb for past production: the Cleveland Browns. That's it. That's the list, and that's ultimately the problem here. And and or I should say the solution. If if the Browns, if if Nick Chubb were to take an approach like a wide receiver did a few years ago, where he was insulted by eight million, and then was cut, weird weird that there were absolutely no riots for that one. I remember how the team was never going to recover from that. Then he goes to a team down by the Bayou, and gets paid practically nothing, gets hurt, and is never heard from again. Mm -hmm. um, that is. The problem is, is I don't think Nick Chubb or his agent are going to allow pride to get in the way, but nobody's going to pay him to not play other than Cleveland because of what he means to the city. And that's where, where it comes down to. So if he's cut, maybe there's a team that will give him a few million dollars extra to, just to induce them to come, come to that team, but they're probably not very good. They probably don't have the, you know, they don't have a lot of wiggle room, especially in a world 
where they may want to go get Derrick Henry. Um, so if you're the Browns, you're sitting there going, you're sitting there going, well, we can't pay you the $15 million or whatever it is, but we can pay you half that or whatever it is. I, I think the framework for such a deal is going to be similar to what it was with Jack Conklin a few years ago, where they guaranteed him some money and then they included an incentive package in terms of that. Now that may be a little trickier given we don't have a timeline on Nick Chubb. And I think that's deliberate for all the reasons right. I already mentioned, but they gave Conklin a, a, an incentive package that basically allowed him to earn the money back by playing. I don't think you can do that as much with Chubb, but I, I think whatever the Browns offer Chubb is going to be more than he will get anywhere else. And I, I think that's ultimately where deals get done. The, the bigger question to me is when can the Browns and Chubb realistically come to terms on this? Because I don't think it's going to happen in March uh, because I don't think either side will have enough information at that point in terms of where he is and his recovery and everything. I, it may take a little while to sort of get a real feel for when this thing's going to work itself out and how the two teams can actually come to a, a, a realistic negotiation. I think this may take longer than a lot of people do just because it's unrealistic to really try to, 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 to come to a deal on, on, on what may be complete unknowns at this point. It, it, it also could, to your point, I agree, Pete, but it, the, he could be closer than I don't, maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but he could be closer to playing than we realize. We just don't know. Right. Like, so that could be an issue and it could not be too. Right. Like, I mean, it, it, it all depends on where he is in his recovery. And if, if you believe in, a lot of people, you know, like Adrian Peterson, for an example, but like, you know, he's Nick Chubb. So, you know, he's rehabbing at 1,500% and, and he certainly has uh, superhuman aspects to him at times, right? So you would hope that he comes back sooner than later and maybe they can get to the table uh, with a realistic time frame in mind. But yeah, as long as that's an unknown, that is an issue, 100%. All right. Well, it is, uh, we got 20 minutes left in the show, uh, assuming that we end on time. Uh, earlier in the show, RX Dog commented in the chat that now he knows what we all look like. And uh, for the team, I would like to apologize for that. But Sorry. we do, in fact, look a little bit better than we normally would, uh, thanks to our friend OG Philly, who has outfitted us with uh, gear and uh og philly uh has made us look good because he uses some fantastic products uh in his branded merchandise uh and if you are in the market for uh branded merchandise to give to your clients uh to uh, make them like you more than uh they they may at this current point in time uh and to win them over uh scott fillinger is your guy uh, we know him here as uh, OG Philly or Philly ASC in the forums, uh, and he has worked with us here at the OBR uh, to help us with our branding. Uh, he can certainly do the same for you, uh, and uh, he can help you uh, with your business if you have clients. And if you're not working with Philly and you have clients, you got to rethink life a little bit. So uh, pick up the darn phone. Uh, or crank up the email client and use the information that is on your screen right there to contact our buddy Philly. He will take good care of you like he's taking good care of us. And uh, boy, oh boy, 
uh, he uh, he'll do the job. So uh, thank you very much for Philly for stepping up to help sponsor OBR Weekly. Uh, so let's get back to the questions. Um, we have uh, one other uh, topic that has been fairly popular this week, and that is the notion that the Cleveland Browns will be going to Brazil to face the Philadelphia Eagles. And there were a couple articles on it this morning. Uh, and some of the rationale that was used was that the Browns actually want to go to Brazil to face the Eagles. And theoretically, the reasons for that are that uh, they're a defensively strong team and they, they tend to travel well. Uh, they've worked with the Eagles before and they'd rather face the Eagles in Brazil on a neutral field than they would going to Philadelphia. And who wouldn't rather go to Brazil than Philadelphia? Let's be honest here. Uh, if you guys are the Cleveland Browns, Brad, if you are uh, the Cleveland Browns, do you want to go to Brazil to face the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's their home game. It's not our home game. And right. uh, so, uh, yeah, why not? I'd rather go if it's is it's week one, right? So, yeah, it, yeah. Game. So, yeah, first game. So, and, and uh, my understanding is that I think that week two, the stadium is going to be used for a concert, right? Uh, so Billy they Joel. can't. Billy Joel will be there, so they can't play at home week two. So. Ideally, then, you will get uh, a backloaded schedule of home games, which I think is to the benefit of the team. And if you can get a uh, a neutral field against a team like uh, Philly, absolutely, I think it's good. And it's another experience, which we saw like the Greenbrier and things like that, uh, where this team can get away together and uh camaraderie becomes a thing that was a huge issue last year and, and a big part of why this team looked like they did i thought uh clo closer than i've seen a browns team in a long time right right you have any opinions on this pete or uh, next subject yeah no i i i i'm disappointed the nfl did not think about me in this conversation uh <laughs> we have a game on Friday, that that we're week three already at that point. Uh, right, the NFL invading on Friday nights is uh, annoying from that standpoint. Look, I think if you're if you are the Browns, the biggest selling point for you is that you are worried about lingering resentment um, of the boisterous variety that a Philly Philly faithful may bring against your quarterback, and that right. may be a reason for you to want to go down to Brazil. Um, but beyond that, like it's, I think that's it's more daunting than I think most people realize, just in terms of the the travel. Because obviously, right. if you play that game, you then still it's not like they have a, a you know they have a two extra days I guess, but you still have to travel and then go to another game. Like I don't mm -hmm. expect the Browns would in that scenario go back to Cleveland. I assume there would be some either right to that next location or some intermediary uh, where they would stop and go uh, to, to prepare for that game. So I, I look, I totally understand from, from what Brad's bringing up, getting road games out of the way early um, certainly has value, especially if you can steal those games or steal one of those games, you feel mm -hmm. really good about yourself, especially against a team like Philadelphia, uh, which you feel like is a credible team. The Browns have to play the NFC East uh, that coming that, that, 
that uh, next season. That certainly has value. It's a big opportunity um, for the Browns to um, make a statement in that sense. But the flip side of that is whatever you're not getting potentially in the stands, you may get just by virtue of it being a nationally televised game in terms of the conversation around it. So we'll see. I, I, you know, I, other than the fact that they're putting on a Friday, which is annoying for me, I, you know, I don't have a problem with it necessarily. It's, it just becomes a challenge logistically. And then just in terms of preparation, how, how you manage that. Um, And particularly your roster, because so much of that is uh, obviously you get the two weeks to sort of mess around with your roster, but the Browns are always doing some sort of gymnastics in terms of the roster. So I don't know how many, if they have to bring an extra plane full of people, just in case they want to start uh, moving guys around to decide who they actually want to play in this game, um, (laughs) which could make it interesting. So it's, you know, it, I, I, I get it. It's great for the NFL. It makes more money uh, for them, which of course trickles down to us because we get a share of that revenue. Right. I'd like to volunteer to uh, carry Fred's bags on the trip, Barry. (laughs) Let me just throw my hat in the ring. So that's the person you need to ask about that is Fred's level of excitement for potentially having to go down to Sao Paulo or whatever it is. Correct. Yes. I I think we have money for either Greenbrier or Sao Paulo, uh, whatever it's called. And uh, Greenbrier is just a, it's a really nice location. It's got trees and roads and, mountains and stuff like that i think fred would probably prefer to uh go there all right um wide receiver names are being floated to the browns you know this being the silly season and all the noise that you get on uh, the internet you know you're going to see titles of articles like you know blah blah link to the browns right and what that generally means is that there's been speculation in some article that oh well this would make a nice fit for the browns and Two of those came up this week. Uh, one of them, K.J. Osborne, wide receiver, uh, was linked by PFF to the Browns as a potential free agent landing in Cleveland. And then Mary Kay Cabot uh, linked Gabe Davis to the Cleveland Browns, who I think will be a bit pricier. Uh, both names thrown out there as free agents who could wind up in Cleveland uh, we'll start with you, Pete. Uh, do either of those names float your boat? And do you think either of them would be uh, likely signings for the Browns? Uh, Gabe Davis is the one where I, I think you're going to hear constantly about it, and I want no part of it. I liked him coming out of college. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really liked his talent and his skill set. But if you are looking at this and you're saying that the Browns need a bona fide number two receiver, the Buffalo Bills have been begging him to be a number two receiver for the past several years. And you thought you, you probably thought in that playoff game against the chiefs that went to overtime, you're going, Oh, this is it. He's, he's going to take off. And it just hasn't happened. And, you know, right. inconsistency drops, all these other things. Like I I'm more than happy to let somebody else bite the bullet on him and, and overpay for him. KJ Osborne is, is I, I think it's largely the same boat, but he might be, cheap enough that it's interesting but i think ultimately you're going to run into the same problem are the browns signing a number two receiver are we are they just signing guys to sign guys because right now it's amari cooper and a whole bunch of guys you probably think of as number three wide receivers right adding these two just gives you more number three wide receivers you're ultimately not satisfied with brad yeah i largely feel the same way you know i think that 
KJ Osborne is an interesting guy, but as the depth chart stands and you look at it right now, they are void of a real wide receiver too. And uh, a, a, a legitimate one slides slots everybody in perfectly, kind of, uh, below that, right? So you slide mm-hmm. Elijah into three and then so on and so forth. You know, Cedric Tillman, wherever he, he ends up this year, David Bell, etc., and whoever you draft. But um, not a big Gabe Davis fan, very inconsistent. Just, you know, you're going to hear the connection because of Dorsey all the time, but I just don't, not a fan of it. K.J. Osborne is interesting, but does he really change the room? No, I don't think he changes the room in the way that they need to change the room in acquiring a real wide receiver, too. Yeah, uh, and again, uh, you know, Fred has been talking about this for the last couple of weeks on this show. You guys have seemed to echo it in thinking that uh, the trade route uh, seems very appealing at this point if the right guy becomes available. Um, free agency is going to be very expensive, and uh, I just haven't heard that perfect name pop up. Uh, let's go to another topic. Um, what do these guys have in common? Bill Belichick, Jim Schwartz, Pete Carroll, Steve Spagnolo. They're successful. They were available, potentially, if you wanted a head coach. And they're old. And none of them got a snip as a head coach. So let's deal with a sensitive subject. And that is, as Pro Football Talk uh, mentioned earlier this week, is there legitimately uh, some sort of an issue that the NFL has with the age of their head coaches? Um, Is it an overt thing? Is it a subtle thing? Uh, What do you guys think? Are you willing to uh, talk about this a little bit? Um, Is it the fact that these guys, as Casey points out uh, on Twitter, uh, responding to this, that they're defensive-minded guys? You know, is that the common element? We're looking for offensive guys in 2024 or are teams really more interested in investing in younger head coaches these days i'll uh toss the explosive over to you brad i would just say this like so i think that the ideal nfl so this hurts these guys because they're defensive and because i guess because of their age somewhat but in the the ideal way to set up a, a coaching staff, in my opinion, in the NFL, is to have an your offensive coordinator or your offensive genius mind be your head coach, because mm-hmm. that's the only way you can attain real continuity. And if if you have, uh, say, I have Bill Belichick as my head coach, uh, you're going to continually be going through offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator that sees any success they will be snatched up by another team and another team and another team so it's going to be a constant battle of of trying to find the next mind or the next guy to run your offense so i i guess uh if you look at the chiefs that's kind of the model right andy reed the guy that runs your your show He's your offensive mind. He uh, continues to bring to the table the same thoughts and language and everything every year, and you never really have to worry about rebooting 
everything offensively, which I think there's some benefit to that. Uh, and so it's why I think the the Browns are in a good spot with Kevin Stefanski as their head coach. Um, is the Not age that, Kyle Han- Kyle Shanahan? Yeah, exactly. Plays with the 49ers, yeah. right? Yeah. So I do think they're at a disadvantage because they're defensive coaches. Now it can work, right? But like, so well, Pete Carroll retired, right? No. No. Was, uh, Pete Carroll was yeah. forced into a the Mike Holmgren adv- advisory role, which he really didn't want. Okay. And he flirted with the possibility of, you know, interviewing elsewhere and obviously didn't get a job, but he's still, uh, you know, what, 73 years young and, and still fighting. Well, yeah. I mean, I like Pete Carroll a lot. He's a gym rat. He's a great coach. He, he, he doesn't lack energy. I certainly think he could have been a, a better hire than some of the hires this off season. So, uh, to that question, whether this is an ageist thing, um, that's that's deep. Uh, I don't know uh, if if they're doing it on purpose necessarily. Um, like I thought, Belichick was in line for the Atlanta job, right? And then yeah, all of a sudden, so he was pushed to the side quickly. Uh, yeah. So. I I don't know if the NFL has an agenda here or not, or if it's just the case of uh, has the game changed too much for certain guys, right? right? Okay, I mean, that's a long answer. Get ready. So there are a lot of things at work here. One, there is a there, if you are an owner. You owners tend to be attracted to the next big thing. They they want to get in on the ground floor, right? That element. In addition to that, there is an entire consultant class that is constantly pitching their nephew, son, grandson, friend's kid, whatever. So you see a lot of last names get recycled over and over again. Uh, so like you know, the the, the nepotism in, in inherent in football is always on display. Pat Shermer got two head coaching jobs for God's sake. Like just the, one of the most incompetent head coaches of all time got two jobs because his last name is Shermer. Um, that is a huge problem. It's hardly the biggest, you know, the, the age element is a factor, but it's not really as big of a factor because there's a whole issue with uh, race and everything else. Defense mm-hmm. is part of the problem. I, I, I do think, a lot of owners and hiring firms and everybody else sort of overlooks how important just being a good head coach is and being a leader. Certainly Dan Campbell exemplified that this past year. I, you know, there are any number of things I can complain about with Dan Campbell, but for what, you know, he has that skill set that people want to follow him, even though it's clear that Ben Johnson is a huge part of that team and, and they, the, the coordinators matter. John Harbaugh was a special teams guy, practically unheard of. Uh, you don't hear a lot about that, but he's been a very successful head coach. He's been tremendous for Baltimore. Um, it, 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 let's get into the specifics of these guys. Bill Belichick, if you're the Falcons and you work in the front office, you don't want Bill Belichick near your team because that means you are getting fired. And this is what happened with the Falcons. What they ended up doing was uh, they ended up hiring Raheem Morris, who had really good relationships with the people who were already in jobs there. So right. that was part of it. The other par- problem is, and Bill Belichick is going to go down as the greatest NFL coach of all time and everything else, 
But he, unlike his counterpart, Nick Saban, has not evolved as of late. Nick Saban, who just retired, had a 30-year-old offensive coordinator that the Browns just hired to be their tight ends coach in Tommy Reese. Bill Belichick has recycled the same five guys on his coaching staff for the last several years. In fact, if you you were you were hearing reports, whether they were true or not, of hey, they're gonna hire you know Bill, it was uh Bill O'Brien or or right. Joe yeah. Judge and, and all the same guys over again that sucked for the Patriots the last couple of years. Like this was not gonna, you know, if you're trying to get somebody excited about this, that wasn't gonna work. So and then Bill Belichick just being who he is. He is coming to your team, and he's going to tell you how the team is going to be run. There are a whole lot of people who don't have any interest in that, especially given mm-hmm. his lack of success. Now, I fully expect his name is going to come up every week that the Jets or Giants lose. He's going to <laughs> ghost hanging over those two franchises all year. All right. Let's deal with Steve Spagnolo. Steve Spagnolo's problem, he's too good. He's in the Super Bowl every year. Like, the hiring process is already over, and he's got he's still there. Like, it's, it's, it's criminal for him that he needs to tank a game. Go out and play the Houston Texans and do what Jim Schwartz did. You get a job right now. Um, because he is legitimately very good at what he does. Now, you know, maybe there's a the he's in the perfect job for him, potentially. I mean, there's that element of it. Jim Schwartz, he's been a head coach. He was okay in Detroit. They got to the playoffs once. Mm-hmm. He was fine. Um, health is a concern with Jim, Schwar- Jim Schwartz, as he freely admits. He was right. dealing with thyroid issues and everything else. But there is an element here, and I don't want to offend anyone of a certain age. Your brain crystallizes at a certain point. You are done sort of in, in you are you are done importing new information. That things work a certain way for you at a certain age, and you're just like, this is how it goes. The NFL and football in general does not work like that. It's the antithesis of that. You have to be able to evolve. Bill Belichick clearly would not. That that's where. I think Nick Saban deserves a ton of credit because Nick Saban constantly evolved, even at in his seventies. Like it, it's phenomenal. I don't really like Nick Saban, but I can I respect the game. Um, so is age a factor? Yeah, on some level, it, it, it's unavoidable that you know you're gonna you're, you're trying to hand over a giant operation to somebody who's in their seventies or whatever it is. Like it's it's there is naturally a sense of beyond their mental faculties and how, how intact they may be, you have to be slightly worried just given the calendar that these guys work that your coach may drop dead. It's, you know, this is a thing. Like, unfortunately it's a reality and not necessarily fair in that regard, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the levels that go into these hiring conversations that are well beyond Mike Florio's understanding uh, are complicated and there's a whole lot of layers but a lot of it, and I already mentioned this, but a lot of it comes down to that consultant class. The these people that people talk to, and and get names, and they go, who who do you like? And Bill, they call Bill Parcells up, and they go, who do you like? And Bill Parcells, I don't know, points to a thing. Go pick a guy, hire him, and they do it. So then they get these guys, and they fire him two years later. Like that, that is a huge problem because, unfortunately, whatever the you know it, whether they inherited the team or they did like Jimmy Haslam and got super successful at something else and then bought the team they didn't train for this they don't know how to hire these people so they always right. they always export it to somebody else and that person could have awful ideas like trying to hire Josh McDaniels and hire, hand over the entire organization despite failing twice 
Maybe it could work, but it won't. So, and yet somebody did it again. Uh, real quickly, uh, the same thing kind of is happening in college, if you notice, with like, uh, you know, Patino, and you're seeing guys like that, like, you know, just at, at the at, at football and basketball. I'll be real quick about this. But mm -hmm. there it is more of like the NIL and the whole process has changed, right? right? So you're seeing guys that are used to being able to do things one way and just coach ball now have to do things an entirely different way that they're not used to. And they're just like, screw it. I, I don't want to have to put up with the transfer portal and – and you know the nil deals and the and the kids that can leave at the you know if i yell at them the wrong way and go to another school and start in like two weeks it's absurd right like the college game is completely changed so you're seeing a lot of people retire from the college game in all sports because they're fed up with the system right right well i came up through uh, uh computer programming and, and uh you know software engineering and at in that field you know, 35 is a dangerous age, right? Because of the pace of change, uh, you know, in that industry. Uh, and, and so it becomes very, very difficult to, uh, you know, maintain your edge uh, as you get older. Uh, and uh, uh, my brain is undoubtedly partially crystallized uh, at this point. I certainly feel it. But uh very uh, appreciate the perspective that uh, you guys have on, on this particular issue uh, and uh, appreciate you answering what is a very difficult question. All right. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate you coming out tonight and uh, joining me for this special edition of OBR Weekly presented by Core Home Fitness. Fred will hopefully be back again next week uh, with his uh, legendary status, but you guys did a fantastic job filling in. So thank you uh, very much for joining me tonight. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we will be back next week, Wednesday at 7 o'clock for OBR Weekly, and we will catch you then. Thanks for attending. Good night, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.